Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to the show, to the podcast. You know, if you have listened to my podcast, you know I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it one more time, but I absolutely love having this podcast because I'm able to connect with other people in the podcast community who have animal-related podcasts. And uh, I'm a huge fan of animal podcasts, and there's really not that many of us out there. And so uh, I was so thrilled to uh, reach out to the All Creatures podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with the All Creatures podcast, it is a phenomenal podcast. It's hosted by two scientists, Chris and Angie. They're both excellent hosts, uh, very well-educated just about animals. They have tons of experience with animals. And um, each episode, or I guess each week, they cover a different animal. And the thing I love the most, I think, about it is is that I learn something new every single time. And it's funny because I'll be like, for instance, they, they covered Burmese pythons. And I'm very familiar with Burmese pythons. I have two Burmese pythons. I've you know worked with them for years, I mean over like 16 years, and yet I still learn some things. So super cool. So as the creepy fanboy that I was, I just reached out on Twitter and said, hey, Hey, Chris. Hey, Angie. I love your podcast. That's all I wanted to say. I also said, hey, if you ever wanted to come on my podcast, let me know. And they agreed. And then they, in uh, turn, actually asked me to come on their podcast. It was just great being able to uh, basically just to introduce the All Creatures podcast to you, the listener, and uh, as well as you know them basically introducing the Animals to the Max podcast to their listeners. So, Absolutely love collaborating like that, and uh, I had such a good time talking to Chris and Angie. We cover you know animals that they have covered in their podcasts, including the platypus. We cover the blue whale. We talk about the uh, very exciting honey badger. We just talk about a lot of really fun stuff. Now, I do have to put a disclaimer. Well, this sounds really bad. I mean, it's <laughs> it's really not that bad, but I just have to say, if you are listening, if you have young ears that are listening in the vehicle, you might want to fast forward through a couple parts. We do talk about animal reproduction and uh, we, yes, there are a few terms that we use, but you know, we're all grownups here. We're all scientists, but uh, it's actually really, really interesting. I learned, (laughs) I learned so much. You'll have to tune in, but uh, we, uh, we, we do talk about some uh, male anatomy about one particular species. Okay. I'm just going to say it. It's about the platypus. That's all I'm going to say, but it's something that I've just blew my mind. Like what? Anyway, with that said, I uh, you know we we don't just talk about reproduction. We also just talk about how you know every day you can make a difference and you know saving animals and saving wild habitats. And I just like I said had such a good time talking to Chris and Angie. So I hope you enjoy this interview. And as always, if you haven't already, uh, please subscribe to my channel, Animals to the Max, if you haven't already. Uh, actually, iTunes this is so cool. They just released these podcast analytics, and it says eighty five percent of you are subscribed. So thank you, 85%. So if we could get the other 15%, if you want to, hey, you know, subscribe, leave us a message, you know, I guess leave us a review. And, uh, you know, as always, please follow us on our social channels for more up-to-date animal information and what's going on in my crazy life living and working with animals. All right. With that said, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Chris and Angie from the All Creatures Podcast. First of all, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. No, thanks for inviting us. Yeah, I know we're excited. 
I'm very, yeah. I mean, talking about animals, especially with an animal expert, yeah. my, my jam. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. well, I honestly, can I have my fanboy moment right now? Because I've been listening to you two for months, and it's great putting, like, that's faces awesome. to the voice. Like, voices. Uh, that's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Do so do we look like what you think we'd look like? <laughs> you, guys, you guys actually look better. No, I'm kidding. No, you guys. Yeah, we probably do. <laughs> it's very it's all, hard. It's that distance, yeah, between <laughs> us. It's yeah, the dark yeah, yeah. lighting that I have on right now. Yeah, no, yeah. but I, I and I honestly have to say it is one of my favorite animal podcasts, and I'm not just blowing smoke because I love every week you guys focus on a species and you put so much time and so much effort, and it just puts me to shame regarding my research <laughs> regarding my <laughs> podcast. Uh, I mean, how long does it? Well, take there's you? two of us too, so that helps. Yeah, I think it does. Yes, it does. Say we divide and conquer, so I think that makes it a little bit more reasonable. Yes, right, right. I don't understand it though, because Chris, you just moved to New Zealand. Angie, you just got mm-hmm. your PhD. Congratulations, both of you. Thank you. Thanks. So, how do you find the time? <laughs> Ask her, because honestly. <laughs> It's, you know, I'm unemployed, you know, so I'm, I'm looking for a job in here in New Zealand. Uh, I've got a couple of things in the fire, but she, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And I think I was just, uh, what episode Angie? I don't know which one with whale sharks or something. And I was just like, Angie, I don't know how you did it, you know? So I'll let her answer that one. Well, the little hush secret is that I don't do it. <laughs> I yeah. fake it very well. <laughs> no, no. And honestly, I, I don't. I have so much help. I mean, from my husband to my lab mates to my professors allowing me to turn things in late. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, or, exactly. Or letting me bring a baby to class uh, or to a test or whatever, whatever it is. And so it's been a real group effort. I mean, my husband, like, brushes my hair and irons my shirt. So... <laughs> It's uh, it, it's been a lot, a lot of teamwork. And uh, with a podcast, yeah. Chris approached me, I think back last fall, about this. And I wasn't as close to my deadlines for the dissertation. So, well, I should have been, but I knew I wasn't going to make. I knew I wasn't going to make them early in the fall. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't yeah, going to yeah, try. Yeah. I think I kid my husband for a little while, like, sure, honey, I'll graduate this fall. <laughs> but I knew I wasn't going to. And, and, and Chris adjusted this podcast. He had been like dreaming about it and really wanting to give it a go because we had done a lot of other social media things with our in our lab at the university. And this was like the next step. And uh, so because it was about animals and talking two things I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was no brainer. And the, t- and, and the time commitment, I was very straightforward with him and, and he and told him like, I can only do so much time because, because of my life, my kids, my family, my school, mm-hmm. my research. And he knew that. And so we kind of divided up who was going to do what tasks and my tasks were, and still have been pretty minimal, just sit and do a lot of fun research about, animals and yeah yeah uh, so it, it's it pretty it's been pretty yeah because it's funny each week her and i sit there and we're it's you know you're sitting at home end of the day you have two little kids you're exhausted you know you cook dinner you get them to bed finally you just want to sit there and veg and watch tv right definitely and don't want to do the dishes no <laughs> and so like tonight i'm like okay we got to get ready for the next species and i'm still editing you know the next interview that's coming out which I'm really excited. It, by the time this posts, it's Kim Getz with uh, 
blue whale research. Ooh, so, you guys got her. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Chris oh, got that's her. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so, uh, I'm like super stoked uh, to release that interview, but you know, we sit there. It's fun. Like you just go and read about animals and learn, you know, we have a physiology background, but to learn specifics about how blue whales survive crushing depths. I mean, that's fun. Like we're motivated to learn. Like it's, so I think, I think there's a, a factor like each week we're like oh my god this was so exciting it was so fun and we're like yeah by the time we get around to doing our research we're pumped you know it's yeah. fun to do, it's fun to do the work uh, to get to talk about them so to add to really quick our training is we've been i've been reading research papers knee deep for the past seven years on a lot more not as engaging no way topics <laughs> <laughs> boring if you will for that yes. uh, not boring to me because i'm the dork and like what i'm studying but so we can, I can kind of move through the weeds pretty quick on how to get to a research paper on what topic from a well-cited source and, and know which sites to use on the internet that are worthy. Or, um, so that really helps speed the process up, I think. And, and then I, and then because Chris and I, we have a format, but we're also, we also get to study what we want to study. So then that's just super fun to get to dive into whatever physiology, physiology topic or, be for me like behavior just mm -hmm. just go go into the weeds on that and yeah it's almost relaxing i guess some people do yoga or yeah. hang out with friends i'm learning about whatever species is next each week yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. which i absolutely love and by the way if you are not a subscriber to the all creatures podcast please make sure you stop right now pause and hit subscribe like i said it's it's oh, one of you. my favorites yeah. but i mean i love I mean, first of all can i tell you guys some of my favorite topics Subjects. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, sure, honey sure. badgers up there. Honey badger. Yep. <laughs> Platypus. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. River dolphins. One. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. I really like that. Those They're are cute. Are, aren't they cute? No. Right. Right. So no. cute. So I, I, no. I love the subject. What has been your favorite animal to cover? And we could start with you, Angie, since you're a lady and you got your PhD. Yeah. No, I mean, no offense, Chris. Yeah. Uh, no, no. No, cool, Corbin. You can call me Dr. Angie. So. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, like, Dr. Angie. I just do this. As long as you call, buddy. As long as you call. No. Um, <laughs> man, my some of my favorite episodes, I must say, um, Poison Dart Frog was one of my favorites because it was so out of my comfort zone. I deal with big, furry mammals with hoofs and horns. And, of course, I could talk for an hour about antlers um if you want to do this again next week yeah. <laughs> we are doing this uh, next week actually you guys are interviewing yeah. me <laughs> oh yes. good yeah, yes that's like the best news of all time awesome <laughs> uh so but yes i think for me really getting into a species that i the physiology is so different uh behaviors are different but yet still there intelligence is maybe different but of course still there in different ways and i would say yeah that one and then i really really enjoyed the california condor episode too once again a bird so slightly out of my comfort zone i i worked with birds of prey at the zoo but definitely obviously not large um uh, or not vultures like the California condor. Hearing about that, I found some another podcast that talked about them uh, at one point in time where at the end of the podcast, I was weeping, listening to it because they were talking about re releasing a bird that they had caught in captivity. And then it did all these breedings for like 20 years and then they re-released it. And it was like full circle of this animal. So that was for me, that, that just was 
and I know Chris can vouch for us both that each week we're reminded why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm a little like lazy or slow uh, to start whatever species I'm studying each week, once I do actually start it, it's like game over so much fun. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, I would, I would yeah. birds and reptiles for me is a, a little bit, uh, yeah, uh, because we haven't covered zebras or hippos. So <laughs> those are some yeah. of my other favorites. Uh, I yeah, love yeah, hippos. Yeah. I'm waiting for the hippo yeah. episode. Uh, all right, all right, hippos. It yes, is. no, they're my they're my husband's favorite. They uh, hippos actually means river horse, so you can yeah. tell why I like them. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So Chris, go ahead. What was your favorite? Okay, yeah. to cover. No, hippos are definitely on there. Um, oh God, so many. I've, I've I counted up. We've done over 20 species so far. I, you know, honey badger by far. It just, I mean, come on. Like you watch those videos on those things. The, this most, like, and I called it the most tenacious, vicious little creature that just does not care. Just honey badger does not give a hoot about anything, right? To to be PG thirteen. <laughs> so that one, I mean, that animal, I'm just in love with. That I've I've discovered, right? Discovered before this. I, you know what? I mean, the foxes, the flying foxes, was really enlightening on bats and the importance of bats. I, this last one we did, and it it ran long for us. We tried to keep everything an hour, but we did blue whales, and Angie and I both were just so into it, like just you know talking about the health of the oceans, realizing both of us being you know animal physiologists and really concerned with land mammals, looking at the oceans, looking at what blue whales went through, like down to one percent of their population, like wow, you know that stuff. <clears throat> excuse me, it's like I almost want to get choked up thinking about it because it's just their story, you know, of these animals and what's going on in the oceans today. So I, that one's edging out honey badgers right now, to be honest, is the blue whales. It's just not only the biggest animal in the world, but just, wow, what the, they're struggling. They're struggling. Yeah, and their physiology, once again, I had a lot of uh, fun learning about marine mammal physiology too, a little bit out of my comfort zone. And I found myself going in all these different directions where mm-hmm. I'm like, I know this will get cut from the podcast, but I got it. <laughs> We've got to talk about pressure and, yeah. <laughs> and, all, yeah. and, these, and these kinds of topics. So, but yeah. And then of course my long harangue on plastics in the ocean and what we can do for that. Uh, they kind of come hand in hand, but just really, I think there's is starting to be a movement with that too. So I mm-hmm. think it might be one of uh, one of our more edgier, more uh, relatable podcasts as to what is going on, especially how there was a sperm whale that had washed up with uh, just recently off the coast of Spain with, I think, like 64 pounds of plastic in its stomach. Mm. Yeah. So things like that. I think people are in this whole um, skip the straw movement. So yeah. it's kind of fun to be on the coattails of that or getting people talking about these topics right, and right. using and using the largest animal ever on earth to get people excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, including myself. Yeah. Including myself. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I, I love the episode. It's insane. Cause it is the largest animal that ever existed that we know of. And yeah. ever. So ever. T- tell yeah, us, I know not. I was mind blown. Yeah. So tell us some fun facts. Like how heavy is the heart? It was I, as heavy as a car. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's not like I got 400 pounds. Yeah, their tongues is heavy. Because I do all the show notes, right? So I got to go in there and post everything so it's fresher in my mind. But yeah, the tongue weighs as much as an elephant. They, 
you know, 37 meters over 100 feet. They, you know, they can go down. What'd you say, Angie? 1500 meters. Stay down for 100 meters. Wow. Yeah. Stay down for 25 minutes, 30 minutes. They, yeah, their physiology is just incredible. How they survive, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember the fun fact about the uh, the size of their male genitalia. Oh, yes, let's talk about. <laughs> so that is one thing I want to talk about your podcast. I have learned more about genitalia, and we can talk about the platypus after this than any other podcast. <laughs> Thank you. That yes. might that might be one of the nicest compliments that anyone's ever given me. <laughs> And you do it in a very classy way. But, yeah, let's talk about the blue whale genitalia. It's huge. It's very huge. Yes, I believe it was um, uh, the male penis, male blue whale penis, is 8 to 10 feet. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, and we, and and we even, normally, yeah, I would say we normally don't get giggly about this stuff. Like, because we're reproductive no, physiologists. Yeah, like, so we I'll, work with male genitalia. Yeah, to be completely been, honest. Yeah. Yeah, I will walk into the first day of my reproductive physiology lab that I, that I TA or I have in the past quite frequently, and I pretty much say, hello, my name is blah, blah, blah. You're going to learn blah, 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 blah. And just so we got you guys can get all the giggles out, penis, 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 <laughs> penis. See, there you go. There's yeah, the giggle. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> vagina, 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 vagina. Like those, that is an anatomically correct you, word. We were just nominated for the best animal kid podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got well, no, I mean, honestly, that those are okay words, I think, to teach your children. That is <laughs> that is what they're called. I was just laughing like what if it Not, like, bleeped, like bleeped out everything you said. You know what I mean? Like in the podcast, post it. It would be so funny. Yeah, like it yeah, sounds horrible. Yeah. I completely agree. Yes, go ahead. Oh, my goodness. I One of my fans actually reached out to me today, and um, I know her, so it is a friend, a friend fan, which are the best kind. Of course. And she said she had the Blue Whale podcast going on in her office, uh, and it was on over speaker because it's just her in her <laughs> office. And um, a coworker opened up the door right as I was describing the size <laughs> of <laughs> Oh, the whale penis. And the coworker just like kind of looked at her and was like, um, what are you listening to? <laughs> Did I report you? Um, but anyway, so hopefully uh, we made even another fan once it was, yeah. once my friend described what the podcast was actually trying to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes it very memorable though. I mean, no, it's, it, it's very interesting though. And how, and we could talk about the, you know, the flexibility. I don't know if we went to the next. Absolutely. I mean, those are things that, I mean, obviously we're animal dorks, but I'm all, I'm very into form versus function with evolution and, thing birds evolved darwin's finches their beaks were shaped differently according to where they lived on the island and what kind of food fruit mm. or seed or nut or insect whatever they needed to eat uh you know f- function follows form and so yes it's funny and giggly but there is a real reason that the um that this extra large penis needs to be able to be uh. flexible enough to to move and navigate the terrain of the ocean and, and then uh, find the female. And then you have the other species, the echidnas and the platypus and just the weird. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Let's do it. Let's let's talk about them. The monotremes. Let's talk about them. Oh, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. That was a fun episode. Listen, learning about platypus, 
platypi, right? We have platypuses, <laughs> the platypus. We had that discussion uh, in the pod. It's they just what an obscure mammal like lays eggs, right? They it just. What, what, Angie, they had that little gland, so they don't have, like, mammary glands like other mammals. They don't have teats, per se. Right, right. So, in their stomach, they just, they think that researchers pools, yeah. think that, yeah, the milk just pools and the animal laps it up from there. But with a lot of these species, too, we just keep finding that there's so much that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's what blows my mind, too, of in this day and age with all this technology that a lot of these creatures stay hidden from us and a lot of their things are private from us Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance nobody's recorded at least that i could find blue whale mating Mm -hmm, actually mm -hmm. the actual behavior so some of this stuff is speculation and that's always too it's just very interesting to me and i feel like it's many open doors for other young researchers that are uh zoologists conservationists that are interested in and 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 not only physiology but also behavior because there's a lot we don't know Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah the platypus (laughs) Platypus. I learned that they had the um, that the males have the venom, venomous stingers. Mm-hmm. On, right, spurs, right, or something leg. like that. Something yeah, like the that. Yeah, the spurs. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, I, I that's why I love your podcast because you guys will cover an animal that I think I know a lot about. You know, for instance, like the leopard or the platypus, and then I'll learn something. Like I, that's what I love so much about it. And let's, I mean, just Angie, because you're a, just a special on this, we can talk about the uh, genitalia of the platypus. That blew my mind. I was <laughs> shocked. And Chris, you too, an expert. Like what? <laughs> yeah. we've already gone down this route we might as well just tell the listeners because i think it's really interesting oh yeah man, look, yeah no well, i, I do, yeah go oh, ahead, go ahead. oh no 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 you i mean i think um well if, correct me if i'm wrong but was it the platypus and i i must admit i i do sometimes forget my different things because there's so many animals but i think was it this the double Added? Yes. Yes. Or no, yes. no, no. More than more than two. Four. Well, the echidna's right? got four. Oh, yeah, the echidna's got four. The, and the platypus, platypus was. Yeah. Gosh, I gotta fight. So when I was teaching at the zoo, I I was at the Santa Fe Zoo a, a couple summers ago, or last summer, I think it was. I taught the repro class, and so for the zoo students, I was like, okay, let's have the penis day, and we talked about <laughs> all male genitalia. And so I did talk about all the different ones, and I came across the echidna, and I about fell out of my seat because I've never seen that before. <laughs> you know, we deal with large mammal and elephants and um, manatees. You know, we're doing a manatee project down in Florida. So, yeah, you see that thing with four heads, and it's only because she has a dual cervix, right, Ange? I'm trying to remember all this. And so only two of those will inseminate the the female, but – yeah, like why? 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 That's a question we ask the scientists. Why would a mammal evolve that? You know, why does it Correct. need that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so looking at the show notes with the uh, uh, the male platypus, yes, his penis does have also it does have four heads. Yeah. Um, although they don't work all si- uh, simultaneously. Um, pretty much, right. it uses only half. <laughs> yeah. Half, two heads at a time. And interestingly, when you talk about form and function, why, I don't think we know why, what the benefit of that is, but you can always talk about evolutionary benefits to evolve certain functions. But we do know, or researchers, I should say, know that in the platypus female, only the left side of her ovary works. So typically in female mammals, they have a left-sided ovary and a right-sided ov- 
ovary and they'll ovulate from they'll rotate which ones they ovulate from or if they sometimes if they're double ovulators or multiple ovulators but they know that a platypus the only left functions so mm-hmm. maybe that has something to do with the foreheads or it's just hard to say um, but it is crazy fascinating and yeah. a lot of times yeah the cervix will either match the type of penis or the or the uterus will it will be somewhat similar to to receiving um, the different uh, the semen. So yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, yeah. it's quite interesting. And, 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 and <laughs> I feel like I should have introduced you guys. You guys are both reproductive <laughs> physiologists yes. before the interview. So I'll make Thank sure you. to put this before. <laughs> Who are these people? Who are these people? Like it's called the animal penis podcast. Like, <laughs> the university that I'm graduating from in front of my building, yes. there's four phallic statues of penises <laughs> to represent different <laughs> mammals. Yes. No way. Yes. And, and, and that's when I knew I belonged. I was like, home at last. <laughs> I will tell you, okay, so yeah. I have sulcata tortoises. And mm-hmm. I had a young one in the adolescent stage, young adult stage. And something was coming out long. I mean, pretty long. And it like, (laughs) I was impressed. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so, but it had like a cup at the end suction. It looked alien-like. I thought something was wrong. I mean, this and that after a few, I mean, it was You should run when you see that. It was, it was horrible. And it was, anyway, it was like, I mean, like a scene from Alien or some movie. Anyway. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, Repro is, is crazy. And I would say. You know, from our perspective as scientists, you know, especially Angie and I trying to break in or do endangered species reproductive work at my tenure at UF. That's what I was finalizing, uh, finishing up with. And that's the direction Angie's going in. We don't know a lot because there's no money. There's no research. But we know a ton about domestic species. Like we know a ton about cows and horses and dogs and things like that. Pigs. So that we try to turn what we know from the domestics and apply that to the exotics. So things like the Przewalski horse. I mean, that was one of our fun episodes too early on because yeah, we love yeah. horses. But because of what we knew in the domestic horse, it was easy to apply that. Black-footed ferret, what we knew in domestic ferrets, we could apply to them. To say platypus, we don't know. You know, we just yeah. don't know. You mm-hmm. know, what how do we develop a, you know, in the in the roles of zoos and aquariums and preserving species? in a breeding program, you know, how do we set that up? Because we don't know and there's no money to study it. Right. Especially with the the artificial reproductive techniques that have been successfully used, of course, in domesticated animals, but then even in some exotic species, Przewalski horse, a clouded leopard, I believe. And I'm sure there's a few others and they want to move a lot more forward, forward with this technology. It's, it's pretty much has to be based on domestics because you don't have enough yeah. of the wild animals to practice with. And so, and you don't have a lot of time, you don't, you don't have money and you don't have time on your hands. That's so hopefully what, what we have learned about our domestic horses and cows can eventually translate into some of these other animals that need it. And it, it, it already, it already, we're at the cusp of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that of course is not, um, when animals are housed under human care, artificial reproductive technologies are not the only way to go. Um, of course there's a lot of natural breeding 
and things like this, but it is, it is a nice thing to have in your back pocket. And also with one of the reasons artificial technologies, reproductive technologies boomed, at least in the horse industry. And I think the same is for the cattle is if you have a grand champion sire, you know, beautiful racehorse that lives in England and you want those genetics over in the United States, it's, you could transport that animal, that, that racehorse, winning racehorse to the United States and he could breed females or it's a lot more efficient to just ship his semen. Right. And, 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 and then there, and, and that's how it took off in the livestock industry as right. far as, you know, being able to pass on these superior genetics, but moving over to the, to the zoo world, um, of course we like, uh, we don't really have the luxury of thinking about superior genetics. We're just trying to look at genetics of the, and when they're housed under animal, uh, under human care, of uh, genetics that are the least related animal. Mm-hmm. So you, we don't want them to be cousins or second cousins or any, yeah. it's far, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> obvious for obvious yeah. reasons. And sometimes they have to be, it just depends on how small, I mean, these populations that have been dwindled down to like nothing, 30 animals. And then they're, you know, they're, you always want to try to maximize non-relatedness. And so what that means is ideally in the future, we might be able to ship, you know, not that instead of shipping the whole mail, whatever it is, a Preswalski's horse or Gibbon or something to a zoo across North America or into South America, you could just ship the gametes, the, the, right. the semen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of, when people talk about welfare issues and things like that, that's uh, one of my interests in the reproductive technologies is I, is for that purpose alone, uh, not only ease, but also potentially, you know, improving animal welfare. And, uh, and then also of course, enhancing the numbers like a male wouldn't have to be with a family female he can like in in the in the horse world we'll take a one dose of of that a male has given up as uh, given us and we'll separate it into five or six or ten doses mm-hmm. to be spread around so yeah so anyways there's i mean there's a reason we're talking about this all day yeah <laughs> no it's fine i'm <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially when we get going on the repro stuff, it's like, yeah. like with the elephant elephant work that we were doing. Um, one of Angie's friends, one of my other PhD student down there that's getting ready to graduate. She, we don't, we can't do what Angie just described with elephants. We can't preserve it. We can't collect, say, a bull elephant in Florida and ship it to uh, the West Coast because it doesn't preserve well. So what we do in horses and cows doesn't necessarily work well in elephants, rhinos, or some of these other species that are in crisis. So she's doing some of the groundwork in trying to- trying to figure out why. 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 So we can figure out how to preserve elephant semen so we can freeze it and then we can ship it worldwide. And then the elephants that are housed under human care, we can take care of them better and keep those genetics viable in case they go extinct in the wild. Because that's what Really, the purpose yeah. is now. And, 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 and I, just to interrupt, but this just got me thinking about the northern white rhino that made – I mean the last northern white mm-hmm. rhino sedan who was just made headlines last month. And people were message. I mean, you know, saying like, "Well, you know, how easy is it? Can we collect – you know what I mean? Like what are your thoughts on that? I mean is it just a lost cause? Is it just – Yeah, it- so I – you know, one of Angie's committee members, she's actually working on the project with them. It's they have genetics banked of the northern whites, 
the look they're looking at, and that's what she does. Uh, this researcher, that's what she focuses it on, is looking at applying some of these artificial techniques. What she's told us is, you know, they they may be able to do like a hybrid with the southern whites because there are, you know, ten to twenty thousand or twenty thousand southern whites still left. So hopefully you can bring back some of the genetics of the northern whites, but pretty much they're gone. I mean, the northern whites are done. Uh, you know, there's no never going to be another another purebred northern white rhino like we saw. That just you know, Sedan was the last of it, and the females. Uh, one's a mom and a, and a daughter that are left, right? I think mm-hmm. the other female just died a couple years ago. So I don't know if Angie wants to add anything on that. Rhinos oh, are her babies. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, they're they're amazing, amazing uh, creatures. And just that what Chris said is exactly right. And we're still researchers are still very not very very far from that. But the technology isn't isn't where it needs to be, even. Even if there were, let's say, ten of them left, um, using these reproductive technologies are just are are not quite there, um, and they hope to get them there. And so I think they're going to use a lot of momentum that has been created and outcry and and, and definitely uh, uh, financial resources that have been donated to try and maximize the ten- techniques by working with. Um, the southern white rhinos, because they could, they need it. They need this technology too. Mm-hmm. And then, as Chris had mentioned, if they can get the techniques down, then perhaps, then, then yes, they can maybe start dabbling into the uh, the the northern white rhino uh, genetics that they have banked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it hasn't. It the technology just isn't. It. I mean, the technology is there, but the, the application and then the. And each species is different. Uh, we all have, uh, of course, there's very similar hormones in animals. Like a lot, most females and of course males have estrogen or testosterone, but the way that they use them and how they use the different hormones and the specific um, molecular signature of the hormone is often different from species to species. Even if they're similar, like a, a horse is related to a rhino, they still may use different forms of progesterone, which that's the uh, the hormone that your body uses when you're pregnant to like keep you pregnant and tell your body that you're pregnant. Horses have a certain kind and rhinos probably have a similar but a slightly different um, variation of that. And so a lot of it's isolating and trying to figure out that and then what learning what exogenous kind of hormones you can use to help the animals stay if they do get them pregnant to stay pregnant and and learning and, and learning a lot too about their cycles and um uh what i one of the things i was hoping to work on with my dissertation is that a lot um, a lot of the white rhinos living under human care uh the females have irregular cycles so at, um female us women we we have a menstrual cycle but uh, uh, animals, especially with hoofs and horns, they have an estrus cycle. So they, they only come into heat, uh, and want to breed whatever their cycle length is, whether it's once a month or once every six weeks, uh, or seasonally, like in horses, horses only come into season in the spring. And so anyways, it's finding all these different unique and white rhinos are dis- are different than black rhinos. Black rhinos are different than uh, Indian rhinos or um, the greater one-horned rhinos. There's a lot still to learn in order to maximize uh, what a lot of the domestic technologies and uh, have taught us. 
So, yeah, but, you know, money is always an issue. (laughs) um, Anybody who works in science, I would say, knows that rather. uh, I I think rather you're studying cancer or you're studying horses or you're wanting to study white rhinos like myself. It's it's, uh, it's declined the money. the grant money and the research money has declined incredibly, and especially for conservation sciences too. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really tough, and but that's why one of our goals, I know, uh, and one of the reasons we want to do this podcast is to bring people together because there is power in groups, mm-hmm. and not and and not reinventing the wheel. Like we know all this stuff in the horse world or the equine world. So hey. Hey, rhino people. Hey, giraffe people. Let us help you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or let's work together. Or And so I think that the collaborations um, are key. Whether you're a reproductive physiologist or, or nutritionist. Zoo nutrition is also um, a real big passion of mine. And uh, so I learned as much as I could about domestic animals, horses, cows. So then I can maybe help feed our, 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 zoo, um, our zoo animals better or for behavior. And then what this podcast has taught me is I've had to reach out to a lot of people that I maybe didn't know, but I had interest in their work and just starting these conversations. Um, yeah, yeah, sometimes, think- you know, sometimes about physiology, but a lot more too. just like how, like how, how can we get together and do something that actually makes an impact, makes a difference. Right. And, um, and yeah, think, it's definitely yeah. power numbers. Yeah. I think what Angie's getting at too is the one thing that has amazed me once we started down this road doing this podcast and, you know, we both jumped in with both feet is I, and, and, and I hope it's coming across when we're talking is just, I'm blown away. When I talked to Niaga Leonard, you know, I, when I interviewed him, he was one of my first interviews I was like, oh, my God, this guy grew up in the States, right? Was It was California, Santa Cruz, if I remember right. And now he's living on this little tiny island, Catbot Island, off Vietnam. And he is fighting to save the last 50 Catbot Langers. He's head of that project. And I just was like, oh, my God, it was funny. My wife was listening to the episode, and I know I poke fun at her all the wait, time on wait. the podcast. She, she actually listened to one? In the car. It was the last one we listened to. Because <laughs> You made her. You forced it. <laughs> She's like, you sound so like you're you're fawning all over him because I was like, going away. Oh yeah, conservation so crush. We talked about it. There you go. Oh god. Uh, uh, Kim and Allison, they just stay away because I'm in love with those two. Uh, but Yaga, I was just like listening to him talk and realizing what this guy is doing. Just wow. And then, you know, then we go talk to Suzanne Smith. She's going down to the Amazon, doing Amazon River Dolphins. I mean, I talked to my friend Aaron Curry. Just got back from the Arctic, you know, studying polar bears. Mm. Now we got, you know, Allison. I'll be honest with you. Allison was – Allison and Kim both just back-to-back. What great interviews. Well, and Allison's Allison's job is like the dream job of any young person. I mean, any any young person I talk to, they're like graduating from – from undergrad with a biology degree, they yeah. want to go to vet school. I'm like, wait, wait, stop. Don't go to vet school yet. You can go to vet school in a couple of years. I'm like, yeah. go to Africa and like volunteer at the rhino orphanage or, or yeah. whatever. Like just get, and maybe not Africa, you know, maybe that's not your jam. Whatever. Go down to Texas and count birds or, you know, I mean, whatever it is, but just go do something and like see some of the world, see different cultures, see what's going on out there. 
And then, yeah, then you can go be a vet the rest of your life or, <laughs> or whatever else you want to do. Yeah. Um, because it, and that's what this, of course, I'm, I've been around for a little while and I've traveled and had a career and now I'm in grad school and I've met a lot of people. And Allison is just one of the really amazing yeah. people that I've mm-hmm. met along my journey doing really amazing things. And so this podcast has been a cool showcase of just of what people can do when you follow, mm-hmm. literally follow your dreams. And I think that, it, and not only following your dreams, but then helping animals along the way. I mean, mm-hmm. listening to Allison's stories and, and all the different rhinos she, she saved and, mm-hmm. um, and for, and, and to similar for all the other, all the other interviews, it's really, really inspiring and I'm always surprised, probably because I'm still so new at this, when people agree that they want to talk to me. I'm kind yeah. of like, what? I'm like, you did? Do okay, cool. You're like, I'm okay. Like, I try to, I, I, I always act like so professional in my emails. Like, well, thank you very much. Oh my I God. sincerely appreciate this. I, but uh, inside, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to piss my pants. This is so yeah. cool. Right? Isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. It's, 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 so, can I, yeah. like, side story? So I sent out just yeah. like, sure. just a shot in, just a shot in the dark regarding a podcast guest interview. I emailed Jane Goodall. And anyway, yes. they're oh, considering that, it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Well, I haven't heard anything that back, one. so it's not looking good. But yeah. the fact they're considering it, and you just, I'm like, this That's is good. pretty cool, yeah. right? That's a win in my book. And, yeah. and But I think, too, and I'm sure you've experienced this with the people that you've talked with, is that they, most of them, when I'm done, I, because I have a lot of technical problems with my computer, as no. people know, uh, <laughs> my, my old Mac and my, my slow internet. And so I've had a few hiccups here when I'm like interviewing, interviewing these professional people, and it's super embarrassing, but I just blame it on grad school and my kids. <laughs> I, just, like, I mix it together. You need to like blame uh, it on like your like assistant or something. Like, oh, God, like, I, you know what I mean? Like make up somebody or something No, like that. seriously, the kid, kids have been the best, besides that I love them very much. You kids are amazing. You can blame anything on them and everything. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> oh yeah. Now I know all those times that you told me, Angie. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously. You don't want to go out. All oh, the kids can't, I don't have a babysitter oh, or you awesome. can't, your homework's late. You're like, Oh, my kid was sick. So See, it's, a, and when you have kids, if you ever fly with them, you want to use your jogging stroller because you get to go through the, like the ceiling. I am telling you, I'm telling you, you sh- I could, rent, I should rent out my kids so they can help people do that thing. You faster. should. I remember I was so excited. I, I broke my wrist one summer and anyway, I was actually going to Africa and I was so excited because I had to take so oh, many no. flights to get to Kenya, but they would let me load early. Like, does anyone have any injuries? And I just had a cast on, but I would just, you know what I mean? And I would totally milk it up too. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah. you know oh, I mean? like, seriously, <laughs> like, seriously. No, but I, but, but when I do talk, when I do get these interviews accomplished, which I usually do, the, and I tell the people, okay, I think this worked, but um, I'll have to send it over to Chris. He does, he's the mastermind of all the editing and the sound guy. And if it didn't work, you know, we might, we might have to do it again. And they're all like, no problem. This is the most fun I've had all week. I could yeah. talk forever. Thank you for inviting me. And they're just so thrilled to get their message out there yeah. and, and, and yeah. to talk about things that they're passionate about and that somebody like myself and our listeners actually care. And yeah. so it's that it's been really wonderful being in receiving. And I think that all these, like you said, Jane Goodall and her group, I think a lot of that too is 
the scientific community, and then obviously animal community, uh, zoos, zoo experts, conservationists, uh, field biologists. I think we're starting to wake up as a community, not that we've been sleeping before, but I think we're, because science is being so attacked right now in the media and the scientific method and it's being questioned and it's a scientist always questioned. So I'm not saying that's bad, but in my personal opinion, it's getting a bad rap for a lot of things. And I think future researchers, not only in animal sciences, but in other ones are saying, you know what, we, we've got to start talking to people. Mm-hmm. We've got to get the message out there yeah. uh, about science and that, and, and that it helps. And so I'm not saying that that's why maybe somebody like Jane Goodall is reaching out to you. She probably knows how awesome you are. That's yeah. Yeah. Why she's doing Jane is probably like, no, I do not want to do no. this. No. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say Angie and I got to meet her. Was we it did. a year and a half ago? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So she came to UF and gave it and gave a talk. And I, you know, because I was doing all this animal research, I actually got to sit in the front row and I'm like, just that's your, that's my hero. Yeah. Like she yeah. is my hero. Like I grew up, you know, I'm a little bit older than both of you. So I grew up with Jane Goodall's story in the you know, late seventies. I was a little kid, eighties. So when I went up to her and I got to shake her hand and get a picture with her, I told her, I said, you know, I'm sure she hears this all the time, but you know, you inspired me. Look at me now. I'm a professor here. I'm working in endangered species research. Thank you. And I just, she looked at me real quick. Like she looked at my soul and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, but Look you know what? Conservation crush. Now oh here, uh, yeah, here, well, conservation crush. I mean, she's a little, she's a little older, but yeah. I mean, no, I, uh, well, so I met I don't Jane. care. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I love her too. God bless her. I, but no, but Chris, did, did she say anything to you? Because I met Jane Goodall too. And I told her yeah. my whole spiel and, you know, very quietly just like, <laughs> I got the head yeah, nod. Yeah. Did, did she do the same she, thing to you? She looked yeah, into my yeah, soul, she, Chris. <laughs> yes, yes. She does that so well. She holds her hand and she looks at you and it's like, you know, but here I am a year later doing a podcast with, you know, thousands of people around the world listening. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe she inspired us to do Wait, that stuff. She but actually yeah, held like your just, hand? She held your hand? Yeah, like I... Yeah, and I, <laughs> he's, yeah I he's getting all jealous over here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, you're going to... Yeah, yeah, she was. Well, I just, hopefully, yeah, you're I mean, be talking to you soon. Yeah, right? I mean, there's three, four hundred people behind me, but so you know, you had like three seconds to, or ten seconds or whatever it was in a quick picture. But uh, whenever we do chimpanzees, I'm definitely me and Angie's pictures of Jane Goodall will be up. Oh, uh, sure? That was just, yeah, that was just one of those amazing, amazing um, meetings of my life. You know, impactful meeting one of your heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think it, it really is just getting the word out there and Mm -hmm. other, and I love talking to our specialists. That's of course has been like the connections I've made already. I mean, I, I'm I'm waiting for a job offer for many of them, but (laughs) (laughs) you're coming down to New Zealand. You're going to go help tag blue whales. uh, I will continue to keep putting myself out there. Um, but I just, yeah, I think that people are starting to, um, to really want to just share. And we have all these wonderful media platforms now with mm. YouTube and with podcasts and of course with Facebook and other and Twitter and other social media sites. And just the more exposure people have to it, um, not to, to conservations, to animals, to science, all of it put mm-hmm. together, hopefully the more it will, um, it'll sit with them and excite them. And, and then Chris and I also too on the podcast, always try to have a, a few segments on, Okay, well, this is all well and dandy, 
but like, what can you do to help? What can the average person do? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not 22 anymore. I can't just pick up and go uh, work at the Rhino Orphanage now. Yeah. Should I ever come missing? That's probably where you <laughs> where you would find me. Like them on Facebook, guys. It's like yeah. sad, but yet still amazing what these people do for these uh, orphaned rhinos. It's really moving to get people talking and to, right. uh, right. I don't and know. education, um, right? Our big thing yeah. is like, people just need to know. You know, yeah. I mean, podcasting is a great way. You know, I mean, Corbin, you're out there, your enthusiasm, you know, hitting Well, the you're airwaves. a TV celebrity, so you're yeah. really doing it. <laughs> do you want my autograph, but, but Angie? I'll send impactful. it in the mail. It's worth like I nothing. I do. Okay. Yes, can you, yes, maybe an electronic, an electronic version. She was out there selling it on the streets. But, yeah. you know, it's like your enthusiasm, you know, it's very, like, you know, remind me a lot of, obviously, Steve Irwin. That is what got so many people excited, and that's so important, you know, to educate folks on what's going on in the environment today, what's going on around the world, and this is and, – and then like we said, with solutions, this is what you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how you can save. Say no to plastic straws. You know, Simple take a five-minute shower. You know, I'm not buying a truck now after doing the climate impact that we released this week. Mm-hmm. Heck no. My Dodge truck, thank God, yeah, is gone. there's a – there's mm-hmm. a um, a palm oil app from Cheyenne Mountain Zoo that tells you what uh, what um, yeah. are more sustainable sources of palm oil. So there's just there's a lot of people doing really really amazing things for conservation for animals, and it's just kind of getting it getting out there. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where too, yeah. If you'd like more of these groups on Facebook uh, or to follow them on Twitter, then you're going to get more of the updates. And right. so right. whenever I'm whenever I'm teaching or just one of my life philosophies is that you never, when you're engaging in any type of platform, rather back, you know, at the zoo, I had to give keeper talks. So sometimes there'd be one or two kids in front of me. Sometimes there'd be like five old men, like, or a hundred, you just never knew. And of course you're tired and you're busy and you probably might rather be doing something else at that point in time. But my motto has always been like, you never know who's going to be the next Jane Goodall. Yeah. Right. She all inspired us. Okay. And and we would love to talk to her and shake her hand and be, <laughs> if we were like one ounce as awesome as she is, we could just drop the mic. Right. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but <laughs> he drops his mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But, but, but in the same instance, we're not, we're not like obviously like such a macro mega star, mm-hmm. but, I can be a little micro star when I'm giving a talk. I started my keeper talks on how to milk a cow. That's how I got hired into the zoo because I had a background in zoology, but I didn't have a lot of zoo experience, but I had farm animal experience from growing up on a farm in Michigan. Although it was a fruit farm, but I had yeah. done enough. <laughs> I had Milking blueberries there, in. <laughs> yeah, yeah what? <laughs> yeah. No, they, they, uh, uh, I come from a blueberry farm in Michigan as my, my, my background. Oh, by the no, way, hold on, because... segue. I have to say something. I love that you're from Michigan because my fiance is from oh. Michigan and I can tell from your accent because you like overpronounce your, you know, your A's or you say like pop or like something. Oh yeah. So I, <laughs> I knew you uh, were from Michigan. T- time out. Where, um, where is she from? And so, I've got my, for those of you that know oh, yeah, Michiganders, yeah. I'm holding my hand up. Yes. Yeah. Is right she there. from the. So she is an hour, I think, north of Detroit from, like, uh, Richmond, Armada area. 
Where is that? Wonderful. So she's on she's on the thumb side on the yeah. east side of the state. Yeah, yeah. I'm Where a west you? sider. I'm from a little town called South Haven on the west coast. Well, uh, I, actually, Southwest I actually can't see it. Okay, there you are. Okay, southwest. Okay, nice. Yeah. Do you know? Okay, yeah. this we're going sidetrack, but do you know Jets Pizza? Yes, of course. Best pizza in the world. Nights. Oh my Hello. god. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Talk about the freshman fifteen. Oh my god, I got like the <laughs> freshman twenty when we started dating. I love it, and I'm from Idaho, so we don't have a lot of pizza places. You know, you can't get. Right. Anyway, we're really regulated. So if you could get like liquor, pizza, and you know ribs at like two a.m., like, are you kidding me? Anyway, so dream back on. Oh, that's there. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, anyway, so sorry about that. Michigan blueberry. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so, so but yeah, I, I, I had audiences of one or two people milking cows. I got hired into the zoo because of my horse experience. They actually had a couple really naughty ponies that I was hired to help work with and so which is just funny um but yeah you just don't know like we're, we could be somebody else's obviously not jane goodall but we could be their inspiration to get them excited about animals or mm-hmm. excited about conservation or excited about saving the environment and i i really take that uh as, as for as many jokes as i like to tell i that is something that i take very seriously and and want to nurture anybody i come across because that's what that's what my mentors have done for me. Right. And this podcast is a way and interviews with people like like-minded people like yourselves are a way to do that and to spread the message and spread the hope and get people excited about science and animals in the future, especially the younger generation that um, maybe are you know haven't gone to college yet and are, are undecided what they want to do, or people that maybe have a well, lot of money and have, have free time and go on vacation in Africa yeah. to help, you know, there's all these nice like paid volunteer vacations that right. people can do so nice. for a week or two. Yeah. And Angie, I mean, and even, you know, like the, the, the beginning of the platypus, you know, we, we, when we set this all up, like, you know, we get our, our video going and I turn it on and there's her son Xander with the headphones on. And I was like, Oh my God, what are you doing? And she's like, well, Xander wants you to interview him about platypus. I was like, all right, let's do it. That was awesome. Like just that five minutes of talking to him and he's, what age? Almost five now. So, four and a half. So. Four and a half. So he's going on to five. My seven-year-old listens to podcasts now, and like I throw mine on there just because I want to make sure the audio quality is good before we release it, stuff like that. And he's really into it. And so you're talking about influencing the next generation. And then we talk about, you know, he's asking me, like he's over my shoulder and I'm doing our blue whale notes. And I'm talking about plastics in the ocean. He saw one of the the Plastic Coalition. Was that the one, Ange? Yes. Mm-hmm. I had the website up and he looked at me and he's like, Dad, what's that? And I said, yeah, son, that's the ocean. And I explained to him the great garbage patch, you know, all the stuff that's going on. So when you talk about influencing the next generation – we need to come together as a community around the world, you know, and podcasting, social media, you know, TV, all that stuff, you know, yeah. to, to inspire them. So, yeah. And that's right. why and- I, I, I love, sorry to interrupt Angie, but I love this platform oh, no. of podcasting because we're able to connect with other animal podcasters like you and with people around the world. And I love, I love this platform. I love the, I mean, social media now, I know it has this negative stuff, but I mean, there's also some positive mm-hmm. stuff and you could reach, People, I mean, everywhere. Like, for instance, I have a high listenership in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Seriously. I, I don't yeah. ask me why. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but that's why, like I said, I love the platform being able to connect and, you know, all that type of good stuff. 
No, it is. Oh. It is. Yeah. It's a great medium. And it's and everything, you know, like Andy was saying, like when I researched into podcasting years ago, it's just booming. It's a booming business as far as people are using it on the go. It's a great way to get education across. It's a great way to communicate. And so a lot of people really appreciate it. You know, I started Dan, uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is the very first podcast I listened to, and I was in love. And ever since then, I've just like, you know, downloading and, and I'm listening to your podcast, re-listening to ours for the hundredth time, you know, to make sure everything's good before we release. But yeah, it's it's a great medium. It's, a, it's yeah, powerful. It is. And I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts throughout the years. And of course, there's more professional ones. There's less professional ones. But one of the things that I told Chris from the get-go is I know we're scientists. I know we can be super dorky, but I want to make this fun. Yeah. I want to make science fun. I want to make conservation fun. I want to make, even though endangered species, like it's sad, it's, uh, some of the things that are happening to a lot of these animals. Mm-hmm. And there's always hope in every case, even when there's only 30 vaquita left, there's still a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. But in general, there's some, you know, there's some sad connotations there. And so I want to make it fun because I know the podcasts that I've enjoyed the most are when the listeners are, ha- or when the, when the hosts are having fun. And mm-hmm. one of my all time favorite, it's not a podcast. One of my all time favorite uh, talk shows or whatever is on NPR. It's called yeah. car talk. Uh-huh. And if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. It's, it's over now. It ran for years and it was just two car mechanics from Boston. So they had the accents, which made it extra oh, fun. Oh, Boston. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so they, they basically talk about fixing cars, which I'm, I mean, not, it's probably not gonna be a surprise to anybody that knows me. Like, I don't know anything about cars. I don't really care. I, you know, I just take it to the mechanic. It's just not an in thing that I have interest in. But I could listen to these guys for hours talk about how to fix cars, and people call into their car problems. And so uh, there's this, there's a lot of fun and element to it. But the key is they like laugh and they make and they make fun a lot of times of people that call in. So, so there is that. Yeah. But they laugh a lot and they have a lot of fun. And they and it's, but it's also very educational. And I think a lot of time in the sciences. Um, we get a lot of this is boring. Chemistry oh, yeah. is boring. Physics is hard. It's boring. Math is boring. It's you know it doesn't have all the flair as some of the other maybe per se social sciences. And and I think that that's a misnomer. A very wise professor once told me when I told him I didn't like my you know oh I I don't like my chemistry class. I like your religion class. And he's like oh Angie if I taught your chemistry class you would love me too. It's all about in how how you get the yeah, how you get the message yes. across. Yes, and so I agree because I I would have to disagree. I think math sucks. I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, it is kind of boring, Angie. Yeah, Angie, no, don't it's tell so me there's a flair with math. Like, no, it I sucks. But I just, I just, <laughs> <laughs> no, a good math teacher can make it fun. Yeah, I, uh, yes, I had yeah. Here's the deal: like, do so, they exist? Yeah, and so I was just to get a biology degree. I had to go through so many mathematics courses, and when I tested it, oh, me too. It was horrible. But I remember calculus. I loved my teacher. I almost got an A, a B plus, because she taught it so well. She taught it like she was teaching a a, a kindergarten class and did every single step. Love and I loved it. She was great and she was nice and she wasn't mean or condescending. And uh, anyway, so I agree. But I still think math sucks. But yeah, I agree. Like it depends yeah. on the <laughs> teacher. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that's been one of my big personal goals. Is and and it's easy with Chris because we we go way back and we have such dialogue and we can tease each 
each other and we can, uh, our, of course our spouses are brought up a lot in the podcast because my husband's the director of uh, a teaching zoo. And so he works with zookeepers, aspiring zookeepers on a daily basis. And he was a zookeeper himself for a long time. So he always has little insights. And then Chris's wife was also a zookeeper. And then there's Chris and I who are just kind of not <laughs> zookeepers right now. Yeah. And <laughs> trying to make this podcast thing work and having yeah. a lot of fun. And so there's, so we, yeah. So I, they're I, paying the bills. We're having the fun. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I was wondering why. I mean, all three of us are available in the middle of the afternoon. Like we, <laughs> maybe all three of us need to get jobs. <laughs> Kidding. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, we're, we're living the dream. We're just not getting paid for it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So what would be a dream job scenario? Both of you, let's start with Chris. What would be a dream job scenario for you? <sighs> so... Well, wow, that's a great question. It's like, you know, I'm things have changed. Yeah, this, at- <laughs> this is, yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's leaving academia was hard and it was a hard decision to make to move to New Zealand with my wife. I had an executive position with a large feed company in the United States. It was going to pay me a ton of money. But Angie has put this bug in my ear like a decade ago when she first showed up into my lab of helping animals. And that's my passion. That's my love. So if I had a dream job, it would be educate as many people or interact with as many people as I can uh, discussing these issues, conservation. So I think the podcasting is definitely hitting that niche. Um, I'm hopefully going to work with the local zoo here and, uh, you know, get involved. But when I hear someone from like Dr. Kim Geth out there tagging blue whales, besides the, I think I would get a little seasick, but other than that, like I have the webpage ready to launch tomorrow and see the pictures of her down in Antarctica. Like that's a kind of a dream job too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but this, you know, I think my talents as far as an educator, things I was recognized at UF for, and then my passion for animals. So I think this is a great medium for me, but, um, yeah, I didn't really answer that question at all. No, that's fine. You said blue whales. You said you wanted – yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Education about endangered species and animals I think is a big one. But, you know, on the other hand, going out and doing expeditions to the Arctic or Antarctic or mm-hmm. Africa to do conservation work would just be – wow, that would be a dream. Allison, like you're right, Allison had a dream job for a while, relocating rhinos in Africa. That was a – incredible story. Her story is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Angie? Yeah. Um, for me, it's pretty simple. I envision myself on a beach with my feet up, oh. a little pina colada in my hand, um, <laughs> reading, reading a novel, maybe historic <laughs> fiction so I can learn a little something. There you go. <laughs> but well, you're asking the wrong time. Cause I've been, uh, pretty much teeth and nail into this dissertation about, um, phytoestrogens and chemistry and analytical chemistry. So I'm a little burnt out. Uh, <laughs> is, is that why you literally were like, before I do this, I need to have a beer. Sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yes, like, yeah. I wish I could buy you one. No. Like, <laughs> I know. I have like I have a big deadline tomorrow, and I'm like, oh man, I got to work on this after this. And oh, so, I thought you were no, done. I'm a little, uh, yeah, I'm a little. I'm a little overworked and underpaid. So my husband would say that the goal is for me to get a job that pays money. Uh, like real money, not bitcoins. Okay, yeah. like real money, <laughs> not in favors. Not I'm. I'm actually. I got my first gig as an invited speaker. I don't even know. I, I told you this, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got. Um, I'm gonna talk about uh, horses and how they learn and their behavior. Oh wow! 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 Uh, and so my husband was super excited. He yeah. was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna quit my job. Like you're, you hit the big time." And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, "No, honey." Um, so they're. They're covering my dinner, but that's it. That's, oh, you need to get a better that's manager. It. That's oh, Angie. That, I know. Well, I, I, wait, what? I, I your, I have to start somewhere. Angie, right? they're covering your dinner. But, <laughs> well, no, no, actually, two oh, dinners because be I can bring some a guest. crab at dinner or something expensive. <laughs> what? What are they? <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. But you know, but the secret yes. is, is the secret is, and this is my biggest yeah. route. I would do it. For, I would pay them to do it. Like I would do it yeah. for free. Like I love animals and I love talking and I love behavior. So it's right up my alley. Uh, but no, to answer your question more seriously, I, I love to, I love science and I love to educate and I love research. Um, I've been working with, of course, domestic horses for the most part, I li- dabbled a little bit in rhinos and ferret work, but I would like to take the knowledge I've learned and move it into, um, uh, probably either either wildlife ecology or in the zoo field and and use science to basically make animals living under human uh, animals living under human care have a higher life quality better welfare I mean they already have a really good one they're usually pretty fat and happy they're probably actually too fat that's a problem mm-hmm. I'd like to work on <laughs> yeah. you're like looking um, at me when you're saying that yeah you're just like, I yeah, no, like no. Probably no we're all we're all we're all probably most most people <laughs> living in um developed countries are probably a little you know a little uh, heavier than we need to be and it's the same for uh, animals that live in zoos and so uh but yeah I would love to be like a, a zoo research scientist and there's a lot of things that you can do to apply science to um, just make, you know, learn more about animals' nutrition, about their reproductive health, about their behavior, and to help them live happy, comfortable lives so their genetics can be passed on and so they can be re-released in the wild. That's a lot of, not for all zoo animals, but for a lot of species, that's the ultimate goal. And I would mm-hmm. love to help on projects that are, are working on that. But once again, that's if there's wild places for them to be released to. And I think that's a misnomer with a lot of um, people that are that are a little more anti-zoo is like, oh, you're taking them from the wild. And I've been to Africa. There's not a lot of wild left. A lot of it's fenced yeah. in, uh, which is for the animal safety. And I mean, of course, we're talking kilometers and kilometers and kilometers, but it's there's we're quickly devastating where a lot of the wild animals live. And I think the first priority should be in, in knocking that off and, and saving the you know the wild places they live, yeah. and and helping fight climate change so they're living how they evolved to live under in the climate that they lived in. That's goal one. In case that can't happen, having kind of a backup population, and knowing more about, and then also knowing more about their life history from observing them and taking care of them um, in a zoo setting is going to benefit that animal uh, in the long run, be it in the zoo or in the wild. Um, and so, yeah, and I think, you know, in a lot of our stories too, is we, 
you know, one of the things Angie and I always like to talk about is conservation success stories. It's not just, like I said earlier, the blue whale story, like almost has me in tears. If I really think about it, I could start crying for you, Corbin. So please don't, because you know, it looked like you were about to. I didn't know if it was your allergies, yeah, the cold. Oh, no, it just was so, it's so heartbreaking to think about, you know, yeah. um, but there's a lot of good success stories there. You know, we talked about the black footed ferret is one of the best, the Ooh. California oh, condor, yeah. Przewalski horse. Mm-hmm. We talk about, what's going on with the copies and, and mm. doing a duel where we have stable populations under human care. And then we have this world heritage site now in the Congo. So the protected in, in both areas. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good going on out there. And so we want to, and Angie always tells me, you know, not either before we record or during recording, she's like, look, you got to be a little bit more upbeat. <laughs> yeah. That, and you know what's so crazy, Chris, too? Because someone sent me a message yesterday and said, Corbin, I love your podcast, but they're so depressing. I sit in a cubicle. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not my goal. But then I realized, holy crap, my last like podcast was about extinction. My other one was yeah. about dodos. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm trying to change yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's just, hard to make just, that. Ex- just talk a little bit about penises. There you go. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, we're gonna talk about penises. That's it. yes. We'll <laughs> <laughs> that person in the cubicle <laughs> turned down the radio. Seriously, turned it up. Oh my goodness. So about uh, penises? No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so Chris, go on. Barnacles. The answer is the answer <laughs> but, is barnacles. Yes, That's, but for any but for anyone listening, according wait, wait, to my wait, husband, hold on. Uh, so oh. barnacles. Oh. That's member Angie. Come on, vampire squid was two. Barnacles was number one. Penis to oh. body ratio. How big? Yeah, I thought it was walrus. Yeah. Oh, it's a barnacle. It's like as long as its body. Really? Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't like that. Yeah, that visual is not working for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll put a visual in the uh, in, in in the show notes for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sorry, Edge. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying though. But yeah, I mean, I'm, right now my dream job would probably be any job working with animals. It's actually a job and not just a paid dinner. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, and then I always. I always say that if I hit it big and I, I want to scratch off, um, I would buy a, a whole bunch of land in probably Florida because I like Florida, and I would uh, make a, a rhino preserve. Oh, uh, I like that. Yeah, I that really would be like mine. That. I would hire all. I would hire all my best zookeeper friends to work with me, and <laughs> we would just frolic around the fields, not with the rhinos, in separate fields all day long, and save you know save them and take good care of them and they can breed naturally and have hectares upon hectares of land to run around. So, so where are you going to find yeah. this in Florida? You're going to have to kick out all those retired people, Angie. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, well, maybe they could live, maybe they could help care for them. Like a, a kind of like a work volunteer program. Or something. <laughs> there you go. Oh my goodness. I'll let, them, I'll let, them, I'll let you know what, I'll, even if they're old because they're driving on country roads, they can still drive a truck through those fields. I don't yep. care. There you go. <laughs> Not that big a liability. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you both taking the time. And I know, Chris, you're in New Zealand. You look like, first of all, yep. what 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 time is it there right now? Um, let's see. It's 2 o'clock, almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, but in the afternoon. I'm the next okay. day. On the next so day. So I'm the next day. Oh, my yeah, so. The future. This I'm is the future. your future, kids. Yes. Wow. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much just for taking yeah. the time, and I really appreciate it. And folks, like I said, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the All Creatures podcast. It is one of my favorite animal podcasts, and I'm not even just saying that. I promise. I literally like thank listen you. to them all the time, and I love all the subjects. Please promise me you'll do hippos and then hyenas. I, yes, yeah, I sir. love hyenas. That's yeah. an easy one. You think oh, so? Oh, yes. There's lots of fun stuff with Ooh, um, we could talk about reproductive physiology. Yes. yes, and phalluses, and then we could talk about yes. penis. Oh, my God. Let's talk about it now. I don't even know if you have your research, but yeah, anyway, anyway. So, uh, but no. <laughs> Seriously, thank you both so much. No, thanks oh, for having thanks. us. Yeah, thank you for having us, and thanks for being part of the animal conservation community. We love all the work you do. Um, if you ever need a sidekick on the Good Morning Show, yeah. I would be very good at that. I'm like, I will get, I will get peed on, pooped on, kicked, bitten, whatever. Coming up on Animals to the Max. This week on Animals to the Max. Coming up on Animals to the Max, I meet up with Prancer the Reindeer. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. This week on Animals to the Max. This week on Animals to the Max. I meet up with Prance the Reindeer. To watch the full episode, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. This week on Animals to the Max. I meet up with Prance the Reindeer. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube.